welcome, welcome everybody to the Hockey Think Tank podcast brought to you by the HockeyThinkTank.com, a website for all players, parents, and coaches to go to get a little bit of education and a little bit of inspiration regarding the greatest game on the planet. What an episode we have for you guys here today. We are bringing on somebody who is an absolute expert in culture building and team building. And this was an unbelievable conversation. He is an acclaimed author as well. We are bringing on Lee Elias to the podcast. This is one of my favorite conversations that we've had. Uh, But before we do get over to Lee, let's bring on another one of my favorite people and a one Jeffrey J. Hulavecchio. Vex, what's shaking today? I heard some really, really big news um, today on the public social media that I'm pretty excited about. <laughs> what's that? <laughs> I'll let you tell the listeners. Oh, God. Okay. So a um, lot going on in my life right now. Uh, all very, very, very good. And so, um, first of all, I want to thank everybody who reached out to me today. So it, it finally went out over the social media waves. But I am going to be the director of hockey operations for the University of Michigan hockey team next year. And I am so, so, so excited about that. And and honestly, like today was one of those days. You ever have like a really emotional feels day? You know, oh, yeah. like things just kind of hit you. And and so when it went out there, like the amount of people that reached out to me, um, some of the people that I haven't heard from in years, some people that I talk to all the time, um, it, it was really, really humbling. And and the thing that really got me in the feels, I think, is how many of my ex-players reached out, whether it was kids that I coached at Cornell, uh, kids that I coached at midget hockey, whether it was in New York or whether it was in Chicago. Um, you know, as a, as a coach, sometimes you don't, realize or you don't really think about the impact you've had on people that that's why we do it we want to have a, a positive impact and you know the fact that so many of my players reached out was just such a i don't know it's just good for my soul <laughs> you know just really really good for my soul and and i've had friends that, again like I, I haven't talked to in a while that that reached out and and a lot of people from the hockey world pro hockey uh, college hockey junior hockey youth hockey uh, and everywhere in between um just just a really 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 cool day i'm so excited to head up to ann arbor it's it's going to be a process <laughs> to get up there <laughs> we're still in chicago right now and i got to be up there full time in about a week so we're, we're scrambling to get it done, but I have an awesome wife and a great support staff and system here in, in Chicago. So looking forward to, uh, to make the move, to work with some awesome people up there. And uh, it's the university of Michigan, man, it's a school I wanted to go to growing up. Um, and so it's kind of like a, a dream job here and, uh, very, very, very excited. Could not be more effing excited for you, man. Like so excited. You're there with NAR you know, one of our best buddies and you guys are just so good together, just playing off each other's hockey IQs and stuff. I'm I'm so excited for you. And I also want to say the listeners, like, this is something we always talk about, like, okay, Toph, you didn't commit to university of Michigan. That was your dream school, but you put everything you could into hockey every day. You worked your bag off every day. You got better. You know, that took you to Cornell you know, that got you a hundred over a hundred points in college hockey, not a big deal. You know, that got you to pro that got you into coaching and continuing to get better and doing the hockey think tank. And now you wind up at Michigan. It's in a different 
position than you wanted to when you were younger initially, but all of that effort, all of that work, all the lessons you learned, like we always talk about on this freaking podcast, like you you can find a way, like if you truly want it, you can find a way. It might be different than what you expected or whatever, you know, but like keep going. There's a way around the, the you know, the door is closed, open a window, find a way in, find something that gets you to where you want to go. And like, it's so cool. And so full circle to see that. And I'm just, I'm just so, so freaking happy for you. You've earned this man. It's so cool. Thanks brother. Thanks brother. Well, I think about it's funny. So I do my team building. You've obviously seen it with the teams and stuff and it's the six R's and the first three are resiliency relationships and repetition. Um, and to get to where you want to go, like you have to understand how important those things are. And so I just kind of think about it again. I don't like talking about myself, but I've got my dream job now. So for anybody else that has a, a dream to have a job that they've wanted for a long time, I think it would be important and cool to just kind of share how a little bit I got there in my mindset, like resiliency, you know, it wasn't easy. <laughs> you talk about want to go to Michigan as a player. Well, I was five foot four and I tore my ACL at 17 years old and Michigan didn't want me. <laughs> so I'm very fortunate that I ended up where I did at Cornell because that was a phenomenal experience. And I'm sure, you know, 90% of people in college hockey have the same experience where they wanted to go to one school growing up, but didn't work out. And they went somewhere else and made the best of it. Right. And then getting out of um, playing. That's hard. That's a really hard transition trying to figure out what the next step was. And I was fortunate to get right into coaching, which was great. And then, you know, I decided to leave coaching for fam, like for family. <laughs> and that was really hard. And starting the hockey think tank as a, as a business was really, really hard. And so like getting to where you want to get to, it doesn't come right away. It doesn't come without a whole hell of a lot of ups and downs. And so it's just, a, it's a process to, to get to where you want to get to. And, and this process took a long time, but um, I'm kind of here and I'm not satisfied though. Like I'm not satisfied just getting the job. Like I want to win a national championship. I want to make sure that all of my players are the best that they can be every day. Uh, I want to make sure our coaching staff's the hardest working coaching staff. Like we have great dudes like between NAR and Rob Rassi and, and Billy McCult and Evan Hall is video coordinator and, and all the other support staff that's there. Like these guys are dialed, man. Like these guys are really, really good at what they do and I'm going to learn a ton and it's, it's going to be awesome. You know, so resiliency, like it's, it's huge and it's everything. It's absolutely everything. The other thing is relationships. It's the second R. I'm not where I am. You're not where you are without surrounding yourself with the best people. The best people. You have to surround yourself with the best people. Um, I'm fortunate to have a, a relationship with the guy who got the head coaching job there. And he respects some of the work that I've done and some of the things that we've done together. And, and that's pretty cool. Um, but also, like you talk about resiliency, like I needed people to pick me up at times when I was falling down. You know, I needed people to hold me accountable when I wasn't doing things to the best of my ability. Uh, I needed people to hug me at times. Like the, you have to surround yourself with good people who care about you and are going to be honest and upfront with you with everything that you do. And I feel like the people that I've surrounded myself with um, have helped me to do that and have helped me to be the best that I can be, which allows me to be pretty good, hopefully, at what I do and get jobs like this you know so at uh, the people aspect it's really funny too because rob rassi who's the, uh another assistant on staff now so we used to coach against each other at harvard uh all the time 
uh, when he was at Harvard, I was at Cornell and then we worked really, really closely together last year in Chicago. He ran our Academy that was here and he's unreal dude. Like unbelievable guy. And Billy McCall, the other assistant coach, I think he's the associate head coach. Like he's a Michigan legend. Um, he's helped recruit some of these teams that have been, you know, top of the country. Uh, he's won two national championships in Michigan. Like this, this staff, I am so excited to, to be surrounded by these guys. And it's, uh, it, it's going to be unbelievable. And just the last thing is just the repetition. Like, look, I wake up at 5am every morning, you know, like I want to do things that other people aren't willing to do. Um, I had to do that as a player at five foot four. <laughs> um, I had to do that as a coach, you know, getting in at the beginning and then continuing to figure out how, how to try to outwork, but also like work smarter <laughs> because when you try to outwork, sometimes that can almost be a, a negative. <laughs> you get burnt out a little bit. It's all a process, man, but repetition is everything. And, and so I just, I look at how I try to teach people and teams to be the best that they can be try as best as we can to apply that into our own lives. And I certainly haven't been perfect with that, but if anybody out there has a, you know, has a big lofty goal, like hopefully, again, I don't like talking about myself, but hopefully some of these things can help give you some perspective to go out there and freaking do it. You know, action is everything. It's, it's easy to think about getting the dream job or landing the dream gig or whatever, but it, it really takes action. It takes resiliency. It takes surrounding yourself with good people and just putting in the work. <laughs> there we go, brother. Oh, <laughs> We're going to hear God. this a lot this year. I love it. I love it. <laughs> a Western guy playing the, the Michigan fight song. Let's go. Hey, that That's the one and only time. And when I come first, uh, when I see your first win in person on staff, you and NAR too, I'll probably join in on singing that too. Cause I, I heard it. that way too often when I played against them <laughs> in college hockey. So I don't like that song, but I'm happy to hear it. Cause of you, <laughs> it's like me going to Omaha in the USHL and hearing the heat is on. The heat is on. Anybody seven nothing USHL. every time. Oh <laughs> yeah, baby. And we didn't even like that song, but you just learn to love it. Cause it means you're scoring and you're winning. And, you're and I'm sure every bad. single person that you played against that played in Omaha will tell you that they hate that song. With hate that song. But passion. like, that's the same with Sioux city. They used to play, uh, like Monet, Monet, whatever that's and like when you're hearing that a lot, you're like, Oh God. This, yeah. But every team does up. that in the USHL. Yeah. Yeah. Well, did the steel have that when you played from, I know they're completely different <laughs> or now completely different organizations. Us and our 73 fans. Yeah. That were all <laughs> and, parents. And 68 of them was our family. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Anyways, uh, back on topic, recenter. No, but guys like, you know, for all the people, that that listen to this podcast you know how much jeff and i love the game you know how much we love people we want to make the game better and uh again like i'm just so so grateful to everybody that reached out today i had a lot of people on social media that are just like podcast listeners that uh that that just kind of love what we do and and they reached out and man like just very very humbled today very 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 cool day so how was your day my day was great. I had a great day. Uh, Josh Pauls, who we've had on the podcast, four-time yes. gold medalist, Paralympic sled captain. It was his first day back in the gym. He's got uh, four weeks to get in shape for uh, totally in shape for uh, teams going over to check. Um, so it was my first day back with him. So that was uh, that was super fun getting to see CJP. I love that guy. He works so, dude. He works so damn hard. He's such a oh, he's such a savage. Another guy that reached out today. 
the spuds Did man. He? Good stuff. Oh, that's cool. That's yeah, cool. yeah. So, um, okay, talked <laughs> enough about this, but um, yeah, I'm just uh, I'm I'm over the moon right now. The other thing too is uh, my wife, my beautiful wife Emma. Literally the day after I found out that I got this job, she got her dream job uh, in the design consulting world. And um, so I'm just very, very proud of her and uh, just really, really interesting and really, really cool that both of us got what you probably call our dream jobs within 24 hours of each other. Just kind of crazy. She finally started applying to jobs after we had our, our last baby. Um, and yeah, just, just really, really proud of her. She's a great partner. Again, you have to surround yourself with great people and, uh, very, very happy for, for M my wife too. And our kids are excited to head up there. So going to be really cool, man. Going to be really cool. But another thing that is really cool was this podcast that we just did with Lee Elias, dude, dude, how amazing was this conversation? What a great, great podcast. Great podcast. Like. I took so many notes and just, <clears throat> and I said this, well, I said this on the first intro we did, and then it came out today that you got the Michigan job. So where are we doing this? This is our <laughs> second crack at this intro. <laughs> BT dubs. We're putting in the hours for you guys. Um, I took so many notes. And what's really cool is um, yes, this obviously all will apply to hockey, but everything that he talks about, you could apply to business to like, you know, an organization, Any like, team. like so family. Yeah. So many things. Family for sure. Our family should probably listen to this one. I know you probably all are, but you know, when we get down to talking to politics, let's open up the pathways. Let's do what he's saying on this podcast. Um, you know, so I think that, uh, I think people are going to actually love this one. Yeah, man. Like, uh, honestly, so for everybody that's listening to this right now, I, I would pause and go get a notebook or a phone or an iPad or whatever you take notes on because, like this is legit right here. And, and Lee is one of the best people that I've ever spoken to about team and culture building. And I got hooked up with him a couple of years ago, uh, spoke with him on the phone and just came away really impressed. And, and he's an author too. He's written books. He just wrote a children book, which is really cool. It's called when hockey stops. And so, yeah, acclaimed author. He's worked with so many different organizations and so many different capacities and yeah, I mean, we talk about trust, we talk about accountability, we talk about all of the things that are necessary pieces for a team and a culture to thrive. And uh, I certainly took a crap load out of this one. And I think you guys will too. And yeah, it was just a, a mind boggling episode. Really, really, really awesome. Awesome. That's it. That's all. We got to get over it because <laughs> this is money. All right. So before we do get over to Lee, we have some people to thank. First people we want to thank is our title sponsor, Gel Sticks. Gel Sticks is a weighted training aid, whether you are a hockey player with a hockey stick, a lacrosse player with a lacrosse stick, or a golfer with a golf club. Happy Gilmore uses them. Actually, that's a lie. Happy Gilmore does not use them. <laughs> you can imagine what it'd be like if he did, though. <laughs> Right. Teach you up for that one there. <laughs> um, but yeah, go to gelsticks.com, G-E-L-S-T-X.com. Use the coupon code think tank one word and you will get a discount on your weighted training aid. Jeffrey. I want to want to say thanks to the guys at Train Heroic. That's where I house all my programs, uh, all my online training for individuals and for teams and my summer training programs with which I had tons of players from all the world do this summer. Really thankful and grateful for those guys helping me uh, train more hockey players and a hilariously cheap price. Um, 
with the best software you could possibly use app you could use uh, for distance training. So really want to thank those guys. Uh, and I just picked up another junior team, the Mercer chiefs spoke to their coach Rob uh, uh, yesterday, really excited to be working with them in the NCDC and help their players uh, really develop this year all through, through online training. So any junior teams out there, midget teams, I also had a call with uh, an organization uh, Highland Valley in, in Colorado and, uh, and probably going to work with them as well. So, you know, any organization that's looking for this, I can help you guys. I offer free Zoom calls monthly to go over things that will help your team, your players, your parents, uh, just trying to provide value like we do on this podcast through quality training at a hilariously cheap price. Uh, also want to thank Cure Nutrition. Yeah. Also want to thank Cure Nutrition. Uh, that's a CBD company that uh, I've been with for a couple months now. Um, I've been taking their stuff for, you know, seven, eight months now because Kylie um, used to be with them. So I used to take it from her and I absolutely love this stuff. I take it twice a day. A lot of you who listen to the show have reached out to me and asked about it, why I take it, what it does, um, how, how I use it, all of that stuff. Don't, I don't want to talk about it on the podcast. So just don't be afraid to reach out to me and I'll help you with that. And then lastly, Tim Cook, one of my teammates and juniors, he wrote a sick book, Youth Sports, How to Play the Game. If you're looking for a great book, it is on Amazon. Check it out. Family Guide book by Tim Cook, Youth Sports, How to Play the Game. Love it, man. Love it. Yeah, I'm, I'm interested to dive into that one. And I, guess where he went to college? University of Michigan, baby. He texted me today and said to say congrats to you. The other thing that's really kind of funny is like, I'm not in youth hockey anymore. So that's, uh, I've retired. I've told people I retired from youth hockey. Happy day. Oh, happy day. But if you are in youth hockey, nice little segue there, then you should go to icehockeysystems.com. These guys are amazing, amazing supporters of the podcast and supporters of youth hockey and not just youth hockey, but higher level hockey as well. Uh, Their site, they have thousands of drills that you can pick from to put in your practices. They have a drill drawing tool where you can actually draw up your drills, send them out to your players or your organizations uh, before you get to practice. And we have partnered with them to do an associations platform where you can get this for every single coach within your organization and what an unbelievable coaching education tool that you can have with this. Also, it benefits your parents because they have access to the Hockey Think Tank Parent Survival Guide. And so if you get the association platform, you get the associations, uh, the Hockey Think Tank Parent Survival Guide for free for all of your parents. And wow, what a um, unbelievable time saver for hockey directors having some more educated parents going through. So um, yeah, we appreciate the support from icehockeysystems.com. And last but not least, we appreciate all of you guys so much who listen to our podcast. Um, To be honest, like probably don't get this job without you. Um, we've been doing this for what, almost four years now, Vex, eh? And, and just where it has gone to, um, the, the kind of following that we have and the kind of impact from you guys telling us that, that we're having on, on hockey culture and things like that. Um, we're just very, very humbled and, and very, very thankful for all of you. So one of the things that we are doing now is if you write a review for us, we are going to read it on the podcast and Jeff is going to give you a free hip mobility workout on his train heroic, which he just, Booyah. <laughs> Booyah. and so the one that I'm going to read right now, this is from cups of Carabelli and cups of Garabelli cups of Carabelli says these guys are the best Tof and Jeff are exemplary guys sharing their life's work to better our hockey community. These guys are grinders. They do the hard work and stay humble. Keep it up. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for that. We so appreciate all the feedback. We continue to do this because 
we love having an impact in a positive way on the game of hockey. And so we so appreciate it. And you guys are going to absolutely love this episode all about culture building, all about team stuff. So many things that you can use, get your notebooks ready. I highly, highly, highly recommend you have something to write with when you're listening to this. Uh, But here we go without further ado with Lee Elias. We are so excited to have on this episode of the podcast, Team Building Extraordinaire, Lee Elias. Lee, how are you doing today? I'm wonderful, man. Look, I'll be honest with you. It's an honor to be on this show, to be up here with uh, you, Topher, and, and, and Jeff. I've been a fan of your show for a long time, so to be here is really exciting. And I know your audience feels the same way about both of you. So to, <laughs> to be a longtime listener, first-time guest, not caller, is a, is a real honor for me. Thanks for Ooh. having me. Here we go. Here we go. Here we go. Well, just a little bit of background. So Lee and I got hooked up a couple of years ago, had an unbelievable conversation and him and I are both, I would call culture building nerds yeah. and, and live and breathe it. And we had an awesome conversation and, and Lee's gone on to write a lot of books and we'll get into that and done a lot of things similar to some of the stuff I do uh, a lot better than some of the stuff I do too. So it'll be fun to, uh, to pick his brain about a lot of different things, but Lee, let's, let's take it way back. And, you know, just talking beforehand, you, you kind of, fell in love with hockey a little bit later than most people who get into the game a little bit earlier. So uh, you grew up in the Philadelphia area, tough being a Flyers fan, I'm sure right now, but (laughs) it is what it is. But talk to us a little bit about how you got started in the game. Yeah. Well, first off, nobody hates Philadelphia sports more than Philadelphia sports fans. I'll put that out there for everybody. Uh, Look, you know, I fell in love with it around 10, 12 years old. And I'll tell you why I, I got into skating around 10 um, rollerblades kind of came out at that time to date myself. And my mom took me to a store. I'll never forget this. And she put them on my feet and I could just do it. And I just skated. I remember her chasing me around the store, uh, not even realizing you're not supposed to know how to do that. So the, 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 the divine gift. And I mean that I'm very blessed with this was I could just skate from the second they put them on my feet. And I loved skating. I'd go to public sessions, you know, ice skating didn't come that far afterwards. And I remember uh, I was on the street rollerblading one day and, and fate would have it. Uh, a, a hockey coach lived two doors down and saw me and said, you got to get that kid on the ice and get him playing hockey. So they signed me up and, you know, the rest is history, man. Once I started playing you know, within a season, I just knew, I knew this is what I want to do for the rest of my life in some form, right. Or, or be involved with this game. And, you know, I remember hearing things at that time, um, you know, asking a friend, Hey, do you think we can make the NHL? And, and I remember him saying, you know, there's no way we can make the NHL. And my, my mind went, someone's got to make it like someone's got to pursue it. Right. Um, and though I didn't make it as a player, I did end up working at the league office for multiple years. I, I just, that dream was alive. It's still alive in me now in terms of just getting to be involved in this fantastic game with fantastic people. Uh, you know, the, the, the game is a vehicle for not just my growth as a person, but other people's growth and and then applying everything the game gives you in terms of work ethic and mentality to everything else. You know, work, writing, podcasting, you know, it's just to me, all of it's hockey at the end of the day. But it all comes back to that moment. I took my first few strides. It just it just came so naturally. And I loved it. And, I, and I'm never going to let that go. That's awesome. I love, love your, absolutely love your energy and your passion. I know listeners can't see your face, but he's lighting up. I got to ask you first pair of rollerblades, were they neon and, or did they have stoppers on them? A hundred percent neon yellow with some, some bluish color to it. Uh, yeah. Yellow stoppers. And yeah, that's with the first, yellow wheels. 
That's awesome. Uh, no, hey, those are the ones grandma and grandpa have in their basement. It sounds oh, yeah. like you're literally <laughs> right. talking about the ones that they have like as a piece of art in their basement <laughs> right. from the eighties. For you primitive uh, listeners, you'll remember those. Uh, they didn't, none of them look cool by today's standards. Although neon neon's coming back a bit nowadays. It's we back. got some nineties back now. A little, yeah, retro. a little retro. Absolutely what they were. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. Well, Lee, I want to dive right into some of the culture and team building stuff because I, I, uh, I've seen some of the stuff that you do and it's fantastic. And, and I'm on a similar kind Thank of trajectory you. where I love that stuff and I'm able to work with, you know, teams on, on building culture. And one of the things just from watching some of the videos uh, on you today is on your website, it says right at the top, I am on a mission to help the world trust in teamwork. Right. Uh, trust is that everlasting thing that we're all aiming to, to earn, but it, it's something that, again, it's not something that you can go to target and just, you know, buy some trust and people are going to trust you. It's something you have to work for. And so I, I'll just leave it as a pretty broad general question for you. Like, what do you mean when you say I'm on a mission to help the world trust in teamwork? What are you trying to do? And ultimately at the end of the day, how is trust built in a team setting? Yeah. So first off, thanks for asking that question, because that really is at the core of my being. Uh, look, trust is the fundamental keystone, the fundamental you know, foundation for any relationship in your life. And that could be marriage, hockey teams, friendships, work. Like if the trust isn't there, what is the point? I mean, you can only tolerate someone so long if you don't trust them. Um, and as you dive into the definition of trust, an exercise I do with teams all the time is I ask people, can you define the word trust without using the word trust in the definition? And it's actually a lot harder than you realize, right? It ends up kind of being a feeling a lot of times. You realize there's lots of Wait, different Wait, hold on, levels. hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Yeah. Yeah. What is trust? And you can't use the word trust. Uh, <laughs> can't use the word trust. How would you define it? I want to get back to what you said. Let me get yeah, it going here. How do you, I want to say trusting it's, it's harder person, than it sounds, belie- right? believing in the person that you have, that you're talking to, that you have the relationship with is probably putting your thoughts, feelings, life, emotions, whatever in their hands. I don't, I don't know. Probably what I would say. That's a pretty good definition. Yeah. And again, what do you, let, wait, let Tove do it. He's yeah, the right. we, should, actually, we should return the favor. As yeah. soon as yeah. I said that, I was like, crap, it's probably coming back at me. What do you got? I, I think it, you can be relied upon that you're going to do what you say you're going to do. Mm. Um, and it's earned. Like you earn that. I can't say it. You earn it right. by doing what you say. You're well, gonna... that's a pronoun that counts it, as <laughs> saying it. So, it's no. not easy to define the word. Now, now Tover, I'm going to throw it back to you. You said you, you can rely on someone, right? Well, look, you were going to rely on your postman to bring the, the mail every day, but would you rely on that person to watch your kids? I don't know him, so I don't know. <laughs> no, right, right. So my point is that there's levels to trust too. Trucks is a trucks. Trust is a very complex space. It's a complex yeah. word. Everyone has a slightly different definition. Now, the, the the Webster's dictionary definition is obviously reliance on someone else. Okay, then that is what trust is. But but it's so much deeper than that. You know, I'll give a great story here. Um, I've had the opportunity to work with a lot of teams. Um, I worked with an inner city team in Philadelphia. And uh, on this team, on average, one player is killed a year due to oh, Okay, that's that's the area they live in. What do you think trust means to them? Because it's not just jumping in front of a puck or or catching the football. You know, trust is you'll protect my life, right? Uh, you think about this from a military standpoint. 
Uh, I just I just did a training camp with a team. I have Russians and Ukrainian players on the team. Their countries are at war with each other. What does trust mean to them in the same room? So we do not spend enough time as organizations, as teams, even as families in some points, just defining communally what that word's going to mean for our group. To me, that is the fundamental starting point for any team. If you don't have it, you're going to have problems. And then from trust, you can build communication, you can build accountability, and we'll, we'll get into those later. Uh, just to kind of finalize your question, the teamwork part is this, is you know, as humans, we are meant to work together. And we hear it all the time. We're more divided than ever before. We're more, and look, in some ways, that's true. In some ways, it's not. I'm pretty sure the 1860s, the country was a little bit more divided than now. Okay, I'm talking about America. But, was the mainstream media then, though, to uh, that, push any narratives. Yeah, it was all poets and newspapers back yeah. then, barely. <laughs> but the, the, the point is this, is that we are meant to work together. I'm on a mission to bring people together. When I can get a team or a group of people together to trust one another, create a common purpose and a common goal, and then they can go forward and attempt to achieve that, that's amazing. And if they do achieve it, it's like a little bit of a miracle, right? Uh, that's kind of humanity to me. And there's not enough forces out there trying to bring people together. I'm proud I'm not the only one doing this. Topher, you're on that same type of mission, right? Same thing with you, Jeff. But but we need more of that in the world. And sports is by far probably easiest conduit to build it. But it starts with trust. And again, I would challenge coaches listening, people listening. Define it for your group. Listen to other people's definitions of this. Their definitions might surprise you. Right, but there has to be that comeback to point of, well, look, we we know we can trust each other because we know what that means in this group. Wow, that's deep. Uh, I have two <laughs> two questions. Um, one of them w- would be, how did the Russian player and the Ukrainian player how wh- what did that look like? I mean, we're talking about the world, and we're talking about you know, like everything's right. crazy right now. Like, h- how were they towards each other? What did you see there? Yeah, well, look. I'll say this in a kind of fortunate way. Neither one of them want their countries to be at war. So there was some common ground there. I mean, I'm not going to get into the geopolitics of the situation. Right. But the idea was we blurred those boundaries by understanding that we're on the same team now um, and that, you know, guys have to be there for each other. And and there's a whole team of Canadians, Americans, Slovakians, and other people on this team that we have to come together towards our, our common goal. And if there are issues that arise, which there won't be within that situation, we have to talk about them. Right. Because because the team is bigger than ourselves at this point. But, yeah, it, it, you know, I'll, I'll be honest with you, Jeff. It, it wasn't really those two players. It was the rest of the room that that their eyes winded open because they hadn't thought about it. Right. Like, oh, wow. These two players, countries are at war. Yeah. Right. Uh, usually trust in a, a North American rooms like don't sleep with my girlfriend. Right. Or something like that. You know what I mean? Right. So it was serious. Wow. sorry. Go, yeah. Go ahead. Tober. So one of the things that you just said right there, I think, is at the crux of what team building is. And you said when there's issues, you have to talk about them. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that is the hardest thing to teach, especially when you're doing youth teams or even up to college teams, even pro teams, because at the end of the day, having the ability to have tough conversations is not something that we as a society are very good at. True. Um, we're not very good at empathy. We're not very good at um, being like truly authentically ourselves. Um, we just live in a world where those kinds of things are not... Um, easy to to develop those kinds of skills. So right. I wanted to ask you, because I, I, I think teams 
and and this is not just sports teams. These are families. These are businesses. These are organizations, nonprofits, whatever. If you have the ability to talk about issues in a positive um, environment where it's, you know, it's, it's like encouraged to have these kinds of conversations and you can speak your mind and have the social safety to be able to be yourselves in those kinds of things. Like how would you approach teams? First of all, do you think that that's a really big issue? And do you think that's really important? And second of all, how would you go about working with teams to make sure that they're able to be comfortable and having tough conversations? Because at the end of the day, that's where resolutions come from. It's not from holding things in and then like exploding. (laughs) gossiping behind it. That's like, that's what kills cultures. And I think what, what really healthy cultures do is they're, they have the ability to do that. So wanted to hear your thoughts on that. Yeah. Look to, to, to fortify your point. I say this all the time, 10 out of 10 problems are caused by poor communication. Yeah. (laughs) Almost every problem I see is there's some form of communication. hundred percent. Right. It's not nine out of 10. We're not dentists, right? It's 10 out of 10. (laughs) All right. So this is what I do. Let's just assume from the first part of the conversation, trust is established. Okay. And, and it's also known that I tell my teams this, that when you create a team bond, you create trust. It has to be nurtured throughout the season. It has to be protected. It will be tested. I would say I can get any group of people to work together for a day or a week. That's actually not that hard. Getting them to do it for six months, 12 months, decades, that's the challenge. And communication, once trust is established, is a massive other keystone of this. So what I do with teams is I try and create a, a communication or a circle of communication where it's understood, okay, like this is our locker room. These are the people that that trust applies to. Now let's talk about how communication should flow, right? Should a player jump to the head coach when they have a problem? Should a player jump to an assistant coach when they have a problem? I create real clear pathways of should communication need to take place? This is the order in which it should go or flow. And it goes both ways, right? You have captains for a reason. Players should have a problem, have a problem, should be able to go to the captain. Captain should delegate. Do I need to elevate this to the head coach, assistant coaches, or can I take care of it for myself? Adversely, coaches and assistant coaches should be able to delegate to their captains to get stuff to the team. So I create a clear pathway of should a problem arise, this is who you should go to. We do not spend enough time doing that. Again, I want to reiterate, it's not a hierarchy. It's a pathway. It's just understanding who has the responsibility where. Right. Uh, and we, again, just for the audience, I, I've seen this so many times. A player goes to the head coach, the head coach listens to the player, makes a change. Nobody knows it's happening. And that's where you get the commiseration. Well, that dude went to the coach and now the coach is doing that guy's a suck up. And, and, and you can just see already where it starts to break down. Right. Commiseration is, is, is a evil in my line of work. Right. And people do it, but it's got to be conducive. The other thing is the culture of how communications perceived. I'll use a business example. All right, we do a thing every week at my business called uh, operations and intelligence. This is something I borrowed from the military, where all of us report our wins for the week, our losses for the week, and what we want to do moving forward without any kind of uh, looking down on someone, right? We want to hear losses. We want to hear how we can support each other. If you have a loss and do not report that to the group, you're actually hurting the team at that point. Right. And we as the group need to support you. So I do this with sports teams too and coaching staffs. I do it with defense, offense, wingers. You can break this down as much as you want, but to create a culture of accountability where we're not rating you based on your failures, we're rating you based on how this kind of cohesive team unit works together and learns. The best teams learn, right? If if trust and communication are done correctly as a coach, I don't need to coach that much at the end of the season. It takes care of itself. 
right? It's just very small adjustments. So I hope I'm answering your question. And, and there's a lot of different ways to do this. Um, you know, with a team, you got to know your players, you got to know what motivates them and stuff, but that's how I do it. Go, go ahead, bud. Um, I love that. Uh, everything about that. And, and so the question I have for you is, you know, when you have that kind of circle of communication, um, the leadership is really important Massive. as far as the players and, right. and not just the leadership of the people that are wearing the letters, but the leadership of the people kind of underneath them. I've always kind of said on this podcast that I don't, I actually don't think the, the, people wearing letters are the most important leaders. It's the it's the people right under them right. that are the most important because they're going to follow through with what the leaders say. And they're kind of like the social organisms of the group that maybe the younger guys look to, to, you know, to take a cue on, okay, are we going to go this way or that way? Are we going to actually buy into the leader stuff? Are we going to buy into the coach's stuff? And so, you know, you can have one in every class too, right. if, if it's college, freshman, sophomore, junior, whatever. Um, how do you go about leadership development on a team um you know with some maybe some of the teams that you've worked with on a consistent basis like what are maybe some things that you do um how do you teach them that it's really important like how do you go about leadership development is in terms of like players yeah look i think it's a it's a it's a full team approach right because great leaders are created from other leaders and great leaders create future leaders right so when you look at it like that everyone's expected to be a leader on some some way right and look i agree with you 100% you know if you're wearing the letter uh, it's an honor don't get me wrong any letter is an honor but that does not does that the be all end all of leadership right so the first thing i try and do is establish to the group uh, this this phrase, team, teammate, self. And this is a philosophy that kind of transcends every lesson that I teach. Team, teammate, self. That is the order in which we prioritize. Your team comes first, then your teammates, then yourself. And make no mistake, you cannot operate without any of those three. You can't take the self out of it, right? You can't take the team out of it. They all have to operate. So the team comes first, then your teammates, and then yourself. And I expect all players and coaches and staff, this is not limited to just skaters and goalies, to adhere to that, right? So when you walk into a situation or you're in a, a tough situation, are you prioritizing in that order? That's the first question I have everybody ask, right? The second thing is I want to enable leaders. My captains are a conduit for me to the team and the team to me. And I want to have clear understanding on what that role means, understanding on what their responsibilities are, what, what I delegate to them to take care of, and then to teach and to, to help every player become a leader. You you said this before, and, and I'll tell you what I think one of the most important players on the team is, and, and, and everybody is important. Don't get me wrong. I think I think every player has to have a role, clearly understand the role. I think that's part of leadership. I, I always give that metaphor of how would you like to get a new job, go to the office, and no one tells you what you're doing, right? You just show up every day for a week, and no one's told you what your job is. Like, that's that's crazy. It's amazing how common that is. Yeah. In the hockey teams, it happens all the time, right? <laughs> On teams in general. Um, the player that I think is a leader is the player that never gets ice time or rarely gets ice time and works harder than everybody else. I try and enable that player because that player's standard sets the standard for the rest of the team. And I want that player to know that that's a hard job, that you are not going to get a lot of ice time, but I will, I will enable you as a leader because you're setting the standard for the whole team. Now, look, hopefully the person wearing the C is also exuding that level of output. All right, we, we hear these stories about uh, Colorado just won the cup and Landeskog and McKinnon and how hard they work these guys. So the, the standard's there, but that's the NHL, right? Everybody works hard, hopefully at that level. 
Um, within a team environment, I want everyone to feel like they have a role to execute on the role, to understand that the team is what comes first. And we all play a role in making that happen. And then obviously take care of your teammates and, and yourself. Self is not selfish, by the way. Self is your, what you put out, your effort, your mind, your body, your soul in working together. But the last thing I'll say about this, guys, is, you know, the moment this hit me, I was a college freshman. We were going to a uh, the playoffs, we would actually end up winning the championship. My captain at the time was six foot five. And I remember he was being interviewed and I was watching. I really looked, looked up to this guy literally and, 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 you know, metaphorically. And uh, they, they asked him, what's it mean to be a leader? And he just said, I need everyone to be a leader right now. It's not just about me. And that's when it clicked for me of that, you know, what, what it meant to be part of a team. Right. So yeah, a, a, an accountable team learns. I expect everybody to do that. I expect everybody to know the role, follow the role and do what's best for the team. What do you got, Vex? I love that. I like how you're like, I'm looking, sorry, scream the entire summer. My voice is going, but um, I'm also hoping to hit that grill spurt and, you know, get some facial hair. But um, hey, are you kidding me, dude? <laughs> what? You're, oh, yeah. You're, you're gross, hoping to hit the grill spurt? Uh, grill spurt, but you, you were, you, you had a full <laughs> beard at, at like 11. All right. So, yeah, you were, you were yoked. Um, <laughs> Uh, I, I love that, you know, you say, ask that leader, that question. That was such a leader answer right, right there. Right. I love that. Um, I want to go back a little bit because I think you said something that's like the most important thing that I've really been realizing within teams, how important it is. And you said it towards the beginning there um, about defining things like like, and I think that goes into what you were talking about. You guys you know, talked about like going into work and nobody said anything to you. Like it's so massively important at the beginning of the season uh, for any team at any level to define as much as you can. And, and, you know, you went right into then also like defining like clear communication pathways. Like I would put that under like defining things, but like when we talk about like effort, well, we, we should define effort because effort is a spectrum, you know, <laughs> and fair. like, you know, being on time, well, that's a spectrum. Like, like, so coaches that are listening to this and also parents with their kids, like define the terms that you use because everyone doesn't know how you are thinking of defining what that definition means or what success is in that metric, right. you know? So, uh, and, and, you know, we, we talked you talk about like going to talk to the coach and I've, we've talked about this on the podcast quite a bit. And at the higher levels, like, at least when we were playing, there wasn't like a definition, like not every coach would sit down and be like, this is what I need from right. you. It was just assumed, I, I, you yeah. know, it was just like, uh, and like, you know, hindsight, wish I could go back in my career and just walk in the office of every team I played for and be like, what are you looking for from me? What right now, what should my role be? How do you want me to play it? What's going to make you, you know, how am I going to execute in your system to help us win, to help me be better and reach my goals as well? it would have made things so much easier on me right, as a player, right. you know, and it wasn't happening. And I didn't even get it from the NHL level. Like it was just like, Oh, play like that guy. And then I started playing like that guy. And then now I'm not playing the way that they want me to play. And I'm like, but I'm playing like that guy. And that's all I heard play like that guy, right. you know? So I think defining terms within a team business or organization is probably the, one of the most important things you can do to start a season every year. Would you agree with that? Yeah. Look, one, one thing I'll tell you that we do, do is and I'm going, to, I'm going to keep reiterating this. Once trust is established, and we've gone over communication, we, you can see I'm kind of building these 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 building blocks here. Uh, something we do with the players is we do team team goal setting and individual goal setting. 
And on those individual goal setting sheets, and, and again, this isn't a contract to the coach. It's just, I want you to be accountable to what you want to achieve. But we ask these questions, what motivates you and what demotivates you? Uh, what do you want to accomplish? How are you going to help us off the ice this year? What can we do to be, help you be a better player? And then we have the coaches sit down one-on-one -on -one with each player and review these sheets. That's because awesome. now the players are a accountable to what they want to accomplish. They can have a, a, a quick conversation, but a conversation nonetheless with a coach where the coach can give feedback of, Hey, look, I agree with this, or I don't agree with this. And then most importantly, the coach has an understanding of how this player is motivated. Um, I can't stand that's this. I, the, the first question I ask is about trust. The second question I would ask coaches, do you know what motivates each player? And they've never gotten a yes. And then I go, well, how the hell are you motivating them? Right. And it, the answer, well, I just, I just assume they're motivated. Like, like me, I got screamed at in, in the 1990s and that, you know, it's just not a, it's not a healthy way to do it. And, and look, there are ways to expand upon that with like disc assessments and other things. There's lots of tools there that are not being used, but I want to know how my players are motivated. I want to know what they think they can do when we do the team goal setting, you know, you, you guys will love this. You know, I always ask teams, Hey, what's our goal? And it's always that we want to win. We want to win the championship. Yeah. Every team wants that. Nobody's going into the season thinking I want to come in 12th. Okay. Nobody. Right. So what is it about this group that's special? That's going to allow us to earn the right to compete for that. What are other teams going to say about us when they leave the building? Not that I particularly care what other teams think, but I want to know the aura that's going to exude our team. And then I want to get team, right? Team first teammates. How are you going to support each other and self? What are you going to bring to the team? And let's have that conversation. I do all of this in the first week, guys. This isn't something that's done over the course. This is done before usually we step on the ice, right? And, and the results are astounding from both players and coaching. You're it's unbelievable. It right away. It's unbelievable. I'm, it's, it's so it's simple, but it's, it takes time and effort and energy and being conscientious of these things. But like, I see this, you know, I, I train, I think everybody knows who listens to me and I train hockey players in the gym and like, you know, it's hard. Summer can be long and I crush my guys. Like we work hard. It's my, my goal to have my guys be the most in shape anywhere they right. go. That's the goal. Um, and you know, we do goal setting and stuff like that. And, and because we do the goal setting and I know what their goals are, I can go up to them and be like, is your effort right now right. getting you to score 20 or to have that 93 save percentage? Like, are you right now living in a way that you you're doing what you told me you wanted to do? And that is so friggin' powerful just to bring that up. You know, uh, Jeff, I'll tell you this too. Like, like I, I think goal setting is insanely important. I don't look down. There's some people who say like, Oh, don't do that. Goal setting is extremely important, but I'll tell you what's even more important. And, and you're, you're bringing this up. It's the habits. It's the day-to-day -day structure of how you go about achieving your goals, right? Cause you can put any goal down you want. A dream is just a dream if you don't do anything about it. So creating those day-to-day -day habits, like you said it, right? You, I, I define trust, defining what effort is to some, what is your standard of effort? Are you a Kobe Bryant that's going to practice three times a day and then go play a game? Or are you okay with just practicing once and eating lunch? And but look, by the way, there's nothing wrong with either one, but the results will kind of be the same depending on no, you know, where you rank on this. You have to have the standards, you have to have the practices, and you have to have the understanding of a day-to-day -day process that will help you achieve those goals. You're developing that with those players 100 percent I love what you said about standards. I think standards is everything. And the higher your standards are, 
I think the more trust you can build in people when they hit those standards, like the heart. And that's why I like the military. Those guys take bullets for each other is because in their team building and their training, it's really, 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 really hard, you know? And, and so, you know, I think for every coach that's out there, one of the first things that that you're sitting, you have to establish what our standards are for everything. How do we act in the community? How do we act in the classroom? You know, if you're a men's team, how do we treat women? You know, is, is being three seconds late, is that acceptable? Is going one inch past the line when you're told to go, or one inch before the line, <laughs> is that right. acceptable? You know, like those are things. And, you know, for me, having played hockey at Cornell, like those were things that were like just absolutely drilled into right. us day one, day one, day one, day one, day one. And one of the things that we used to do that I thought was unbelievable, our strength coach, and this goes to Vex, like the strength coach is probably the most important person in a, ho- a college hockey program um, because they're really somebody that sets the standards for how hard you're going to work. And it, it completely relays to what happens on the ice. And right. so one of the things that we used to do is we used to do ladder drills a lot, you know, the agility ladder drills, the plyometrics. Yeah, and yeah. you know, some of the drills were kind of tough and you'd kind of mess it up. And every time you messed one thing up, you would have to go back and do it again, right. but somebody had to go with you. Right. So another teammate had to go back and they had to kind of go before you to show you the way. And it was always funny at the beginning because the freshmen, you know, they hadn't done a lot of the stuff and they're always going back and going back and going back. But it set the standard of, okay, we do things to perfection. Like if you stepped one foot out when you were supposed to step one foot in and that was your only little thing, you had to go back. Like our standard is you're going to do it freaking right. And then also your, our standards is we don't like, we help our teammates out. You know, and it was, it's, it's those little things, those little team culture building things that can go such a long way. But the hardest thing about it is like, if you set high standards, you have to have an accountability structure where those standards are being held accountable all the time, all day, every day at the rink, away from the rink. And that's why it's so hard to build culture because you have to set and define the standards, but then you have to freaking like really hold everybody accountable because we all know, like if you give kids an inch, they're going to take a mile. Right. And so, uh, it's, it's, it's I've got two young they kids. Do that, they do that but, all the time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah I hear you. Um, so w- when you talk about defining standards, like how do you go about doing that with the coaching staff or how do you go about doing that with a team? Because I, 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 in my opinion, that's one of the most important things you can do as a, as a leader at the beginning of what you're doing. Yeah. Look, it's a mix of accountability with standards, right? So like I always yeah. usually meet with the coaching staff first and, and I'll, I'll go over, Hey, what do you want the standards to be? Um, you know, what, what do you think those words should be? What, what do you think, you know, excellence is here? And then I'll tell them that what we want to do is draw this out of the players. We want the players to be accountable to the standards. If they can come up with them or if they can echo these now they've, they've said them, right. They've brought them to the table. Now they have to be accountable. So when I talk about standards, I will go to a team and I'll do I'll do a little bit of a classroom stuff and I'll say, what are the words we want to describe us? Or what are the standards? And look, without fail, Topher, and, and again, look, this is one of the reasons you led Cornell, right? Uh, someone will say, being on time. What is being on time? This is players, right? Well, 15 minutes early is on time. You know, anything other than that's late. Now, a player has said that. A leader on the team, I didn't have to say that as a coach. The player has said that. And then we'll get into other standards. And every, every team has different standards, obviously. They're typically similar, that we're going to be here for each other, that we are going to uh, you know, be professional off the ice. I let the players tell me what they want the standards to be, right? And then when we're done, I say, I love that you, you guys or girls are saying these things. You're saying these things. I'll make sure to reiterate that. 
you know, now you be accountable to your standards and the coaching staff will too. And I'll also invite the coaching staff. If we, if we're missing some, uh, or I, or they want to add some, absolutely. And now it's a team event. Coaches, staff, and players are coming up with an accountable structure of standards together. You mentioned something else I want to talk about too, which is that they're an all the time thing. This is for coaches and athletes, right? Uh, I've been very privileged in my life to be around a lot of pro and high level athletes, both of you included. It does not shut off when you play at that level, right? The competitiveness does not shut off. They're competitive in the way they eat. They're competitive in the way they sleep. It doesn't stop, right? It's an all the time thing. And, you know, I, I think we'll use hockey as an example. I always talk about rebounds, right? You know, how 50, 60% of goals at, at any level usually are second chance opportunities getting bounced in the net. And I watch a practice and players don't put rebounds in the net on every shot. Uh, and, and goalies, don't worry. I think about you. I always tell the goalies, you do what you need to do. I think Jeff's starting to get really excited about what you're about to say here. <laughs> I changed my career. <laughs> changed my career when I started doing that. Any rebound on any drill should be in the net, right? Unless you are somehow instructed otherwise, you need to practice that. It is not something that just appears in a game. All right, Jeff, you're a good example. John LeClaire is a great example. John LeClaire scored 50 goals a year on Eric Lindros rebounds. All right, he's also a very skilled player. I'm not taking anything away from John LeClaire. But you think he just practiced that in games? It's an all-the-time thing, and it's a little thing, right? And there's so many little you know, things in the game like that that you practice, you practice. Tofi, you said this with, with Cornell. You make practices hard so the games are easy. The whole game is muscle memory at the end of the day. <laughs> right? You don't want to be thinking about this stuff in a game. So those little things, those standards of you go for every single rebound, you get good at that at practice. And then how does that apply off the ice? I'll tell you guys a funny story. Um, it's mildly disgusting, but it's funny. You know, I was, I was training this team last week. I go in the bathroom and there's piss all over the toilet seat. And I come back to the, to, to the group and I say, Hey guys, listen, I was, I wasn't a jerk about it. I said, listen, just piss all over the toilet seat. Are you the type of guy that's not going to clean off the seat? In a co-ed bathroom? Because I'll tell you what, the guy that doesn't clean the seat doesn't go for the rebound. As said, don't piss on the seat. And they adopted that as one of their team mottos. Don't piss on the seat. <laughs> I love right? that. But, so but true. It, the point is that look, that's a little thing. How many, again, I'm not talking to anybody listening so much, but how many people do that? They see it's there and they don't make the effort to do something about it. I don't, I'm not just talking about piss on the seat right now. All right. You see a napkin on the ground next to the trash can, but you don't pick it up. Right. That's a rebound, <laughs> right? Put it in the trash can. It's an all the time thing. And you can apply this to so many things in life. This is not just limited to hockey, but but it's an all the time thing. And that that's the highest of standards, that it's not just there when you walk in the arena. It's every aspect of your life. It's, uh, I, I, th I can't remember if I told the story on the podcast a few weeks ago or not. Maybe it was like a month or two ago now. Um, but I don't know if you guys are familiar with first form, but I'm, I'm, uh, I'm a sponsored athlete with them. They're a St. Louis brand. They have, if you haven't heard of them, you should check them out and check out, you know, what they do. Their culture is like no other company I've ever seen ever. It is unbelievable. Their culture is everything and everything's about making their culture better, preserving it, spreading it into the world. And, 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 uh, I was, I played in a charity game, um, a few months ago for some firefighters and I stopped at the gas station a couple miles down the road from the rink. And it was like 1130 at night. It was the only car in the parking lot. And this, uh, this nasty Rolls Royce phantom pulls up. Um, 
and the guy gets out of the car and I realize like, Oh, that's Sal Frazella. He's one of the owners of the company. He's the president of the company and only car in the parking lot. I'm way in the back. He, there's no way he even saw my car was back there. My lights were off. I'm down there riding dirty tinted windows. What's up? And, uh, <laughs> murdered out and, uh, <laughs> an idiot. And as he's walking in, he stops and he looks around and there's like some trash just in the middle of the parking lot. And he picks it up and throws it away and walks in. And it's like, that is what their culture is about. And to see the president of the company, 1130 at night, getting out of, you know, whatever, $150,000, $200,000 car. And he stops in a parking lot to pick up trash when he thinks no one is around. Right. I was like, that's why you guys are so successful. That's why you have the culture you do. And I, I actually went up and uh, I stopped him when he came out. I was like, hey, I just saw what you did. Like, that's why I'm with you guys. Like, you right. live it. Like, it was so cool. Yeah, it's what you do when you when no one's watching, right? I, think, right. I forgot who said that. It was one of the athletes. Said, what you do when no one's watching is really the key. You know, and look, with, with, with Hockey Rapper on one of my companies, you know, we, we try and do that too. I, I use the same philosophies. Look, nobody at my company actually has a job title unless they need one for something, right? We're just all part of the same team. No, I always tell people, nobody better call me CEO. Like, I don't want, I don't ever want to hear that, right? I'm your teammate and we work together here, right? And we've created a family environment and we, we implement the exact same team culture here as we do. The other thing too, you know, Jeff, you're bringing this up. It's like, here's one for teams, right? If you ask anybody at this company, Hockey Wraparound, What's the vision of the company? Everyone can tell you. And I've, I've made sure that was one of my things. I want everyone to be able to say, we want to put that wrapper on every hockey stick in the world. That's what it is. I'm not trying to promote it right now. I'm just saying everyone has a clear understanding. <laughs> right? We all know. But you can walk into an office and say, okay, what, what's the purpose of this company? People won't be able to tell you. Or a hockey team. What's the purpose of this team? Uh, to win? All right. I said it before. Everybody wants that. Right. If you got a team, no, we want to represent this organization, this team, and this, and we want to prove that everybody that we're a legit organization that we stand up for each other. Now that's something worth fighting for. Right. You said it. The guy picked up trash 1130 at night, 1030 at night. Think about the impact that had on you. Yeah. It's picking yeah. up trash. Right. You know what I mean? So right. yeah, this this all goes into it. Tofer, again, this is a long answer to a short question. <laughs> Apologize for that. Love those. That's what it's made for. That's why we do podcasts, baby. Mm-hmm. <laughs> With you. It's so true though. Oh God, I love this conversation. It's good. Um, I want to get to next something that has to do with a lot of what we're talking about. And Vex and I talk a lot about it, but I want to hear your take on identity. Mm-hmm. Um, we've kind of touched on it with some of the, we haven't said identity. We've talked a lot about it in a roundabout way with all of the things that we've been talking about here, but the, the older I get, the more I believe that identity is the most important thing. And it goes sure. back, who are we? You know, like if I go into a company or I go into a team and say, define your identity in one sentence. Right. And if there's a million different sentences, you you have an identity problem. Right. If right. pretty much everybody is saying similar stuff, then you have a pretty good identity. You know, right. you have to know who you are before you can understand what you do, how you do things, yada, 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 yada. Right. Um, you know, how would you go about talking about identity with the teams that you work with? And what are some things that you can do, you know, with the teams that you work with about how to build that identity? So everybody knows exactly what it means to be a part of this specific group. Yeah. Well, like, like most words we've talked about tonight, there's, there's identity is a vast definition and it covers a lot of different spaces. And I actually bring identity into kind of the mental fitness, mental health space. Um, and, and I'll explain why in a minute, but you know, look, 
you have to know who you are first, right? Your own identity. People ask me, what, what are you? I don't say I'm the CEO or I'm the author. I say I'm a father and I'm a husband. That's my primary identity. Uh, you could take away all the professional accolades I have in my life. If my family is still there, my wife and kids and family, I'm okay. You take them out of the picture, I'm not okay, right? So I have a firm grip on my own identity first of what's important to me. And I'll tell teams that. I'll show them pictures of my wife and kids. This is my family. This is how I identify before being a coach. Um, and then when you look at identity, I kind of look at it like a, like a triangle. And, and I'm actually going to flip this a little bit. When you look at depression, right? And I'm bringing it to that. What is depression? Well, it's really the loss of three things. It's a loss of purpose, loss, loss of community, and loss of identity. When those three things are missing, it becomes a very dangerous place. We see this with veterans transitioning out of the military. You know, uh, a lot of people don't realize this, that that first year out of the military, that's the leading cause of veteran suicide, is that deadly gap that first year. Uh, you see this out of high school and college, when uh, sometimes kids are coddled, they've never gotten a C or a B in their life, right? And suddenly that's how they identify as a straight A student, and then they get a C or real life hits them in the face. I love that quote, everybody's got a plan to get punched in the face, Mike Tyson, right? So when it comes to identity, it's who you are as a person. And I challenge players to really identify who are you or who do you want to become, right? Let's start there because that's that's that self part of it. If you don't have that, you can't give it to anybody else. I can't expect players to give team an identity if they don't even know their own identity, right? You can't give somebody something you don't have. Now, when it comes to a team identity as a whole, it goes back to what I was saying before. Wanting to win is not enough. The question I'd like to ask again what will other teams say about you when they leave the building and describe it in words? And I get a lot of great responses when I ask that question. And then you can break identity down. That's team identity. There's organizational identity. You are representing an organization that is larger than yourself. There was a team before you. There will be a team after you. You are on the team right now. That's an organizational identity. I do team history lessons with every team I work with. And I'm talking from eight you mites all the way to pros. I want them to know you're part of something larger than yourself, organizational identity. Obviously, depending on where you play, there is a local identity. You represent a town, a city, a state, sometimes a country. You need to understand that's part of the identity. I, I mentioned before, I'm working with the Puerto Rican national ice hockey teams right now. They're representing a nation that's part of another nation. It's confusing, right? But they <laughs> represent a people, right? By the way, if you ever go to England, there's four countries in that country. Right. Good luck figuring that out. I've, I've worked over there many times. So you have to understand really that, that one always gets me. I'm always like, wait, what's happening? Is this yeah. Wales? Is it what? Yeah, there's, the there's United four countries Kingdom? in what's, the United Kingdom. I don't, I don't get it. Yeah. It, it, there's Great Britain, there's Wales, there's Scotland, and, and then there's Northern Ireland and Ireland. And that's a whole nother situation. One of them's not in the UK, but we'll get back to that. My point is, yeah, it can get confusing, right? Who are you representing? So it's or it's identity, the location, right? And, and then there's, then there's the, the, like I said, the self-identity. Who are you? Who do you want to be? Does that, does that even work in with the team? There's something we don't do enough as coaches, right? Does that player's identity fit into the type of group you're trying to create? Because if their identity is a cocky idiot and you're trying to create a team, I'm not saying you should tell that player to screw off, but will they work in that environment? That's kind of important to know, right? And, and one of the things about when you get this identity, organizational, local identity, team identity, you're really starting to create a bond again, trust, accountability, understanding how to deal with adversity, communication. What we're creating is a team bond, right? And when you've created that bond, you know, people who don't fit into that identity tend to not survive. They, they conform or leave. 
right? And takes care of itself. But so coaches, if you have cancers on your team, I always have people say, well, I got this cancer. He's ruining the team. Well, your team bond's not strong enough if one player is breaking it. All right. And don't make, don't get me wrong. The team bonds are very, very, uh, you know, fragile things. They can collapse quickly if you're not watching them. That's why I said at the start of the episode, you have to nurture them. You have to protect them. It is a day-to-day type uh, uh, undertaking to protect your bond. But identity is a huge part of it. But as I said, Tover, it breaks down to so many different variables, right? And and taking the time to reiterate these things during the season. Again, that, that you know, Herb Brooks, right? The name on the front is more important than the name on the back. Do, do you really understand what that means? And as coaches, are you providing your players with the information to understand what that logo means, right? How long has the organization existed? You know, how many players have come before? Are you bringing in veteran players that have graduated or moved on to explain, hey, I played here 20 years ago. Let me tell you how much I love this. That's all part of identity. And I think that, again, going back to what I said about uh, community purpose and identity, it's a huge part of just mental fitness in general to have that, right? Purpose and community come come along with that. Good girl. Okay. All right. Sorry. I get passionate about this stuff. Dude, I'm like, I'm ready to go. Let's go. Like, okay. <laughs> so I want to talk about a couple things. And, and uh, I've mentioned before that I love to read about the military with mm-hmm. a lot of the stuff that we're talking about. Nobody does it better in terms of team building. The best team on the planet. And yeah. the military, these people are literally taking bullets for each other, right? Putting right. their lives on the line, not only for the people in the foxhole, but for us. So we're able to do this, <laughs> you know, we have in our freedoms and everything. And um, I read a book, it was called Tribe a couple of years ago. And the the story, you're shaking your heads, you probably read it too. Like the story is, so you talked about the veteran suicide, right? Like we always think that veterans are committing suicide and are depressed because of PTSD from what they saw, you know, over in war. And that that's not the case. No. They're, they're depressed and they're committing suicide because they don't have that foxhole community of people right. that will take bullets for each other and that, that, that camaraderie when they come back, you know, they come back and they're a little bit more isolated and they're lonely. And, you know, there's not that, that, that just come togetherness of, of people coming together for that common goal. And that's like a very unhealthy thing to have a lot of that <laughs> right. and then have none of it at all, especially when they come back and they see everybody divided and everything that's going on in the country right now. It's like, it's absolutely crazy. But another thing that um, you talked about that I think is one of like, it's like the essence of a great identity of culture. And that's being a part of something larger than yourself. Right. And so I did my, um, my thesis. So I got my master's in sports studies at Miami of Ohio. And I did my thesis on commonalities of successful college and professional programs. And so I read all these books of all these highly successful coaches about, you know, their journeys and their teams and yada, 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 yada. And one of the things that always came up was like, they were always preaching something greater than yourself. You know, especially if you're a college coach, it's the alumni, um, it's the town that you're in. If it's like a small town or something like that, you know, if you're a pro team, it's, uh, it, it's the people who pay their hard earned money to come watch you play. And these people are actually through their ticket prices and everything are paying for your salary play for that. Like you're just playing for something greater, right. than yourself. And it's just such a powerful thing because especially in today's day and age where a lot of it is marketing and me, me, me and stuff like that. It's very easy not to develop that kind of thing in, in a team culture. But at the end of the day, if you want to have a thriving, successful culture, you have to understand your place in right. where you are. 
you have to, and you're just a small minuscule part of the machine that is your team, your program, your organization, whatever. And I think that it's a very like empowering, humbling thing to be able to understand that you are a part of this thing that, and people are relying on you and people are, are watching you and then the things that you do and the way that you conduct yourself and how hard you work. I mean, I, we always talk about our experience. I go back to my, my time at Cornell, you know, we did a Jeopardy every year, like a Cornell Jeopardy, where we had to understand the history, right? right? And it was, okay, we have to honor the past and then we have to forge our own way. Like, right. how are we going to leave this place better than where we found it? And every team, it was different every year. Every team had a different makeup. Like we had our core standards and our values and those things were always the same, but every team also has like a different personality that you have to, you have to change some things and you have to like go with the strengths of, of the group and things like that. And a lot of that has to do with person and leadership. And there's so many different internal team dynamics that go with it. Um, so I, I guess long, I get long winded question to my question or your, whatever, whatever right. we're talking it's about. That's right? type of podcast today. Yeah. How, how, what are some other ways that you would go about? Because I do think it's so important. What are some other ways that you would go about teaching the, let's call it what we're talking about sports, teaching the players that they're a part of something greater than them? Right. So a lot of ways to do this. One is I, I call it create anchors, right? And you brought it up. I'll, I'll keep talking about the military. The military is the greatest team on the planet. When I need to learn about doing anything as a team, I, I turn to them. And I've been very fortunate in my life. My my wife served in the Air Force. I get to work with a lot of veterans and um, I've been around military most of my life. So I get a lot of that input. Um, so one of the things I do is I tell them stories of war or combat uh, that I've heard from other veterans. I'll bring veterans in to talk about it, to create an anchor point of we are playing hockey. You know, when we say sacrifice, it means jumping in front of a puck. When they say sacrifice, it's a little deeper than that. So understand that if they can fight for our freedom or they can fight for our ability to play hockey, we can play this game to the best of our ability. That's the first thing I do is set anchors. Uh, you know, I was working with a team in New Jersey one year, and I remember I brought them to the Jersey Shore and there was a lot of war monuments. So I did a tour. We did a, a like a, almost a military style jog to each monument. I, would, I studied them before. I said, this is what this monument represents. This is the battle. This is why it's here. Then I would take them to the beach and have them run out of the ocean like it's Normandy minus the gunfire and obviously the horror, but just come out of the water and understand what it is to crawl out of a beach. It, by the way, it's pretty hard to do when nothing's going on, much less you know a battle, which is unmanageable. So that's the first thing. Um, Second thing is, again, I do history lessons with the group. I will walk them through. I'll bring in owners. If that's the situation, I'll bring in former players. I'll bring in people to talk about it. If I can get the captains to actually run that lesson, I'll do that, right? And, and anytime I'm with a new organization, I will study as, as the person in my role, that organization. I need to know it almost better than the team does, right? Because I'm a hypocrite if I don't, right? I need I need to understand that for my ability. Um, and then throughout the season, there's lots of different ways to do this. Again, bringing old players back, getting into the community, uh, team building events. You know, this past year, I had a fun experience. First time in my life, I coached mite hockey. I served as the assistant coach on my son's 8U team, mainly because COVID was looming and I didn't know if I'd be able to watch him if I didn't volunteer. Uh, but I said the condition was I need to be able to do team building with these eight-year-olds. And uh, people thought I was crazy. You can't do team building with eight-year-olds. Guys, they did better than adults do. They did way better than adults do. And the team bonded. And part of it was that the identity of, you know, this is our group and we represent this organization. These are kids are eight, seven, eight years old. Some of them six when the season started. Right. And we need to do that together. And they got it. 
they totally got it, right? That the logo means something. So you don't have to do much to create this outside representing and just bringing stuff to the table that wasn't there before. And, and Tover, as you said, this is bigger than you. This is bigger than me. The team has a past. Reflect on it. You're forging, to use your language, the future. Look to that and be as present as possible, data in, day out, while you're doing what you need to do. Because you have your time here and that's it. And look, man, you could take that to a to a universal level in terms of our place in the universe as humans and how we're not, I always say we're a grain of sand on a grain of sand on a grain of sand. And it's probably not even big enough, small enough, right? You know, you might as well enjoy it if you're here, right? But yeah, I, I think it just comes down to having conversations and explaining history, not assuming that people know, right? Not just assuming that your players know what that crest means or the history or the former players. Yep. And uh you know, that th- this means something. Totally. And and I want to go back to kind of one of the things he talks about. He talked about the eight-year-olds and the team building stuff that you do. I'm a big believer that there's like, there's kind of like formal team building, which is like bringing you or me in to kind of do some stuff on a more formal level. And then there's informal team building, right. which is, you know, doing things away from the ring together as a group. And for me, that's way more important than you and I coming in for a right. day or a week or whatever to, to teach them. Now that's can be important and can be very valuable. But at the, at the end of the day, like if you're not doing things on like a consistent basis and far, as far as team building, you're not doing team building. <laughs> yeah, right. And that's where I think a lot of teams error is they, they see team building as, as bringing somebody in and then they check their box for team building right. for the year. I see oh, we, the we'll be good. Like we, we learned right. some stuff that we can use for the rest of the year. But at the end of the day, like you said earlier, the culture is a living, breathing organism that gets better or worse every day based upon different variables, like how people treat each other and what you're doing in the adverse and resilient situations and all of these different kinds of things. Right. So um, I wanted to ask you, like, how do you go about, because a lot of times when you're working with it, maybe, maybe you're different than me. I usually go in once or twice and and that's about it. And I got to kind of put some things in place for the team where they can do some things without me. And then hopefully they do those things. Um, what are ways that teams or coaches can recognize that team building isn't, you know, it, it's, it's an ongoing process. Right. And what are some things that they can do kind of like informally as a group um, to, to really continue to build that camaraderie and, and build that trust that you talked about was so important earlier. Well, the first step of any problem is admitting that there is one, right? So I, that's where I go to first is getting the coaching staffs or the, or the higher ups to understand how important it is to do this. Cause if you don't get that buy-in, it just turns into commiseration sessions once a week. So I would say this, you need three things for a championship culture to be in place. One is talent. You have to have comparable talents or you're not going to be able to compete. Don't have to be the best team. You don't have to be the worst team, but you do have to have talent. Uh, the next thing is tactics because great talent can't overcome bad tactics. That's where coaching comes in. That's your X's and O's. The third thing is a team bond. All right. When those three things are present, a championship is possible. I've never been with a team, been on a team or coached a team where those three things weren't present where we won. Now, this is where it gets funny. Coaches will go, yeah, I totally agree with you, Lee. That's great. We need that team bond. How much time should I spend on that? And I'll go, well, it's a third of the puzzle. So 33.3% of the time should be spent on that. And they go, are you crazy? I can't, I can't spend 33%. And I say, you want to win or not? Right now, and I, I do say this, a lot of it can be worked into what you're already doing, right? When the team is together, they're together. To answer your question now, are you doing team meals? 
are you doing off ice team building events that are not just plyometrics and, and, uh, you know, weightlifting, are you doing team building exercises? And there are so many of those. And and that's one of the things I do. Are you doing them weekly? Not at the beginning uh, of the season. Let me interject in there too, because we have so many coaches and parents that listen, what about ideas that don't cost money? That's or, or are cheaper. Like, like, what do yeah. you have for those? Like, just like throw oh, some sure. out. Sure. Yeah. I can, I can give a top. Like, like, one of the ones I love to do is it's called landmine and there's a lot of different ways to do this, but um, I saw the Vancouver Canucks do this. They throw out, you can throw out like little pie plates or paper plates, blindfold one player, have another player direct them through the minefield. Right. And don't step on a plate. And, and Tover, you like this step on a plate, go back to the beginning. You're going to start over again. It's got to be perfect. Um, I've done that in many different ways with a blindfold during COVID. I had it. So they were facing each other a few feet apart and you had to keep eyes locked. If you look down, it was kind of a betrayal. That's one. Um, I've done stuff with the eight-year-olds where I gave them like a soft ball. And I said, everyone needs to pass it in the same order, right? You'll love this one. So I had that. So the first one we did it timed it 14 seconds. I said, now you have to pass the ball in the exact same order again. And they did it in a little faster. And I started saying, okay, what time, how fast do you think you can do it? And one time they said, well, I think seven seconds. I was like, that's great. You're cutting in half. Took them a week or two. They achieved it. Then they said six seconds. Then they said five seconds. And guess what, guys? They kept achieving it faster and faster and faster. And when, dude, when they hit under five seconds, these eight-year-olds, you would have thought they won the Stanley Cup. <laughs> All right? awesome. I mean, they went crazy over this thing, right? And we that's did awesome. it. We, and, and, and here's the thing. There were weeks they failed at their goal. And I didn't let them keep trying because that's life sometimes, right? Like no, no cost on this whatsoever. And they understood it. You know, the other thing I, I got to brag about this team one more time, because at the end of the year, just to give kind of the results, right. And again, Jeff, there's hundreds of exercises like this that cost nothing. I do things with hula hoops. I do things with milk crates. Like I'll get three milk crates and say the whole team needs to get on these milk crates. And, you know, obviously they have to be in a big tight kind of, kind of hugging formation to do that. But these eight-year-olds, and again, I'm, I'm using them as an example, because I don't think this is such a shock to people at the older ages. At the end of the year, this was a B team, and we were playing in an A tournament. And I remember thinking, I don't know if I want to be playing in an A tournament as a, as a might B team. There's there's a pretty big difference in talent. Well, first game we played our A team, we beat them, right? And I'm like, whoa, okay. Then we tied the next team, we beat the third team, and then we're in the championship game. And I'll tell you what, we didn't win that game. I'll, I'll say that right now. But I I never once that season, me or the head coach or any of the coaches, taught anything about diving in front of pucks or defensive strategy. These kids were diving in the net to block shots. They're eight and seven and six. And I I said this in the locker room afterwards, and and I meant it. I said, I have never in my life been okay with the second place finish ever. I'm not talking about being mad or anything like that. I just have never been able to accept a second place finish. I said, until today. I said, that was the greatest team effort I have ever seen when the odds were against you. I said, this is a win to me. And I never, and I never say things like that, but these kids were eight. We did free team building exercises. Yeah. Look, there were team dinners and, and arcade trips, but we did something like that every single week as a team. Some of them were communication based. Some of them were trust based. Some of them were accountability based and they grew. Anyone can do these things. You don't have to go far to search for team building exercises online. So right, they're cool. out there. Yeah. So cool. If eight-year-olds can do it, <laughs> I love right? it. Right. That's what I'd like to say. But I hope that answered your question. Yeah, it's that's great. Just a commitment on a week-to-week level to not do the status quo, to not assume that the team uh, is okay. 
right? To find those little ways of let's get together, uh, you know, unison exercise, doing jumping jacks in time, which is actually quite hard, right? I can tell if a team is off a little bit if they can't do that. Wow. You know, so, so yeah, there's tons of these, man. And, and, and again, they're, they're, Jeff's are free. Like you don't have to pay a lot yeah. of money. If you want to pay money to make them look great, you can. Yeah, you know, yeah, right. Put that's branded awesome. paper plates or something. Right. Like that's. That. I mean, you scarves, yeah. like whatever. Anything. Shoes. You got anything. The kid shoes off. Throw them out there. It's free. Yeah, that's, get, we we did that. Get, we threw gear out there. Right. You know, it doesn't. Matter. Right. Yeah. Trying to trying to get the listeners to have some ideas and tell the, talking about the ball pass fast. I can just see the kids going absolutely oh, man, nuts. But nuts. I could see <laughs> me going nuts as a player yeah. or as a coach in that situation. Yeah. Right. But Tof, it reminded me, didn't we, we roomed together at that Quebec, Wee Quebec camp or whatever it was. Didn't we do something where we were throwing a ball in that, in the dorm room there as me and you. And we were like, we just keep throwing the ball. We kept trying to get like the next high score and the next high Probably. score. I, I vaguely remember that. So I'm just thinking about that. We were like, finding a way school. to make a competition. You're building the pathways to a championship mindset. Right. Again, they, they celebrated like it was the cup funnel for a reason. They did this together. I'm training them. We're training them for that moment. Right. We're training them to understand that. And look, I, I also do a ton of, of meditative uh, type things and visualization and, you know, PQ reps is what I call one of like these little two minute kind of meditation breaks. And and by the way, I'm getting more and more buy-in on that as, as, as time goes on 20, 20 years ago, 15 years ago, nobody wanted to talk about that stuff. Now you're getting a lot of buying, a lot of buying into mindfulness and I, I work that in. I do baseline meditation with these kids. And, and trust me, it's hard for them. That's why I only do it for about one to two minutes. But they buy in. And they. I remember a player asking me, uh, one of our leaders on that 8U team, saying, hey, do the meditation thing. That'll get them to calm down <laughs> towards the end of the season. And so that was pretty cool, too. So there's a lot of tools, and they don't cost anything. Oh man. Well, I have just one kind of closing thought and then I want to get into some of the cool things that you're doing. So our listeners can, um, you know, see what you're up to outside of this podcast. And, and that thought is, and you said it, and it really resonated with me with the the business that we're in and the things that we do is that you can't assume that somebody knows mm-hmm. when you're building culture. I think that's the biggest mistake that a lot of leaders make is they just assume that people get it. They assume right. that, but, but at the end of the day, like um, I read a book, Do you, are you a Lencioni guy? Have you ever read a, any of Lencioni's books? Like Dean, it, 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 what's his first name? Patrick Lencioni. He's got, he's really good. So, so he's yeah. got these really good books. I'm writing that down though. Yeah. yeah. And, and one of them, I can't remember which one it was, uh, but he, I think he writes um, like the five dysfunctions of a team. That was the big one that he did. And I've read a couple of other ones. And one of the things that he talks about is like, you know, you get your organizational clarity and then you over communicate your organizational clarity, <laughs> right? You over communicate it every day. It's on the walls. It's what you talk about in meetings. Like it's, it, and it just kind of goes to show you that like, don't just assume that somebody knows the standards, right? When they're not hitting them, you know, don't poo poo them because they're not hitting them. Well, maybe they don't just don't know what they are. That is that funny. Vex poo poo. <laughs> um, <laughs> child. <laughs> You know, and I just, I just wanted to end it on that because I do think that that's where a lot of mistakes are made in culture right. building. Is that like the the standards and and who we are and the identity they're not communicated enough because you think again you bring you and I in and then it's like okay everybody should know this for the rest of the year right and at right. the end of the day it it changes too like All it changes 
And, and so I, I just think, I don't know what your thoughts on that, but just, you, you can't assume you have to over-communicate the standards, over-communicate the culture, over-communicate the values all day, every day, as much as you can. When, and this is where leadership comes back into it, right? Yeah. Like I can't be the only one at practice watching if people are touching the line or putting the rebounds in their yeah. players need to do that. Senior players need to be on young players. And look, that can be a tough role. Like you know, if you guys watch the last dance, Michael Jordan was notorious. If you're, you're going to finish every step because I'm going to do it. And, and you, you know, it's funny hearing the players talk about him. Yeah. He was an a-hole, but man, I respect him. <laughs> you know, like, like you hear this about Nate McKinnon. Um, there was a lot of articles after the cup final, like he's the meanest guy in the world, but none of his teammates were upset about that. That's exactly what they needed to hit their standards. Right. So again, going back to the rebound thing, are you the type of player that's going to see someone not go for a rebound and say something, or are you going to ignore it? Cause now you are part of that problem. The standard just lowered a little bit. So that's, that's a big part of it, you know, is making sure that the players are part of that. And then, and then B is just being superbly aware of this. You know, I'll, I'll give you guys a scenario. Um, let's just say your team had the greatest tactician in history as one of the coaches, the greatest. There's no one that's ever been better than this tactician. Well, if that tactician can't effectively communicate the tactics to the team, it's completely worthless, right? You talk about standards of communication and standards of of play. Look, everyone learns different. I'm a very visual person. I know that about myself. You can tell me things. I might get it. But if you show me on the whiteboard or you show me on a computer, I, I, I can do it. And then if I apply it by physically doing it, I got it. Right. That's how I learn. Right. But I've seen coaches in locker rooms talk for 30 minutes about tactics in 2022 to kids, young people who have a, you know, attention span of 14 seconds. You're talking for 30 minutes and then you're pissed that they don't get it. Like you're assuming that they learn a certain way. I question everything. And, and I feel like that's part of my role on the team, right? Is to watch, to have the heartbeat of the room, to read the room. Are the players receiving this? Are they understanding this? Are they leading? Are they commiserating? And there's a down the negative side to it too. Are they present? Are they mentally present in the room? Or are they someplace else? Right? These are things that, you should never assume, all right? Hockey players, athletes know this. We always talk about being in the zone. We always talk about it. What is it, the zone? It's being mindful and present in the present moment. And I challenge teams, and I challenge people, not just teams, to constantly bring themselves back to the present moment. Are you getting lost in the past and the future? Are you focusing on things you can't control? My life philosophy, guys, if we're going to close with anything, focus on the things you can control and live in the present moment and don't beat yourself up. If you leave those places, your mind is wired to wander, right? But can you bring it back? Can you stay present? Can you recognize consciously, hey, my mind just went somewhere else, right? The, the example I always give is, have you ever read a book, read five pages, and you realize I didn't read any of that? Like my, I just, you know, where did you go? You left this plane of existence for a few minutes. No, right, I thought right. that was totally normal. <laughs> right. No, yeah, right. Well, it, hey, hey, to be fair, it is totally normal. Yeah. Right? Thank God. That's it good it to is know. totally normal. Right. Yeah. <laughs> but it's, it's one of those questions of, of, of the consciousness, right. Of, oh, wow. I really did go someplace. Well, where did you go? You're probably thinking something past or future and, or you were focused on something you can't control as a society. And you can bring this right down to the team level. It, it terrifies me that most people live their lives worrying about shit they can't control and living in the past to the future. That's Amen. not living. Truth. That's not living. People are born and die having uh. never been conscious to that. And it terrifies me. I am on a journey 
to constantly be as present as possible and to focus on the things that I can control with blameless discernment. I don't beat myself up. If I leave, I just go, oh, that's weird. I'm, and I bring myself back. Right. And I, I try and bring that standard in the locker rooms. Right. The scoreboard doesn't matter really until the end of the game. That's when it actually is official. I don't care what the other team's doing outside the tactics we need to beat them. I'm not focused on them. I'm focused on us. I'm not worried about the other results going on in the league right now because I have absolutely no control over that. Right. You focus on yourselves. The results will take care of themselves. Right. So and I true. say it don't stop till they put a trophy in your hand. Right. Stay present until that moment. Then you can celebrate. And then guess what? Starts all over again because that's just a moment. <laughs> but yeah, that's awesome. that's that's where it comes from me, boys. That's that's kind of my day in day out. Mental fitness, it's not something that can be achieved. Team building, it can't be. It's something you have to constantly be working on. That's the journey. That's the joy of life. At the end of the day, this was unreal. Yeah, that was great, <laughs> Thanks, guys. Was great. <laughs> Love that. Oh man, Lee. Well, uh, tell our listeners a little bit about where they can find you. You have your own podcast that you do. It's called our kids play hockey. Uh, you've written a, a bunch of books, uh, a couple yeah. of hockey books, a children's book, when hockey stops, uh, you've wrote win, which is a coaching philosophy that, that you have. Um, so if you can just tell our listeners a little bit, if they want to, when they want some more, some Lee Elias, where they can yeah. find you. Well, first thing, I'm going to get you guys on Our Kids Play Hockey. Uh, so all you got to do for that one is go to OurKidsPlayHockey.com. We, we created a podcast, me with uh, Mike Benelli and Christy Casciano Burns. It's really targeted towards hockey parents, uh, specifically youth hockey parents, and kind of navigating that journey together. We realized there was nothing out there about that, and, and we're privileged that that thing has really taken off. So if you're a hockey parent out there interested in that or you like this show, you like that show. And again, uh, Topher, Jeff, you're coming on that show. I'm not taking no for an answer on that one. Um <laughs> Uh, and then look, the Let's books can it. be found found on. Yeah, absolutely. The books can be found on Amazon. When Hockey Stops was really a passion project. When COVID hit, we realized that, you know, we all had to survive as adults. There was no guide for kids on what to do. We just kind of told them, well, the rink's closed, figure it out. Um, so we wanted to write a story about a, a young player who in the story, he breaks his wrist. We didn't use COVID, obviously, but his season ends. And it's all about mental fitness and, and dealing with adversity and what that player has to do to navigate that time. And he finds ways to a become a better player during that time to see the game from different points of view and and just navigate that that injury to get back. Um, and it's loosely based off of, of my own story. I tore my shoulder horrendously my senior year of high school. Um, but I'm so thankful that that happened at this point in my life because I kind of found myself right in, in different ways to be involved in the game. This is pre-internet too. So that's called When Hockey Stops. If you've got a young kid in the game, uh, I again, I know I wrote it, but I kind of <laughs> at least take a look at that one uh, on Amazon or WhenHockeyStops.com. And, and, and Win was a real passion of mine. Uh, I wrote Win in about a month. Uh, it just flowed out of me wow. and it is it is my coaching philosophy. So if you like anything I said on here, a lot of that's in that book. Um, it's called win what every team needs to know to create a championship culture. And uh, yeah, that's, that's, that's my, my coaching philosophy. I'll, I'll be honest with you. I'm really proud of it, but I'm most proud of how many people take stuff out of it and apply it and spread kind of that message. Cause at the end of the day, we talked about identity. This isn't really about me, right? I just want to spread that togetherness and team building. And like, we need to start coming together more on the ice, but in society, you know, enough of this, this division crap, right? We're not meant to operate. You read tribe. We're not meant to operate this way. We are meant to operate together. And I know that that can be a challenge right now. And there's a lack of empathy. Tell if we're going back to what you said in the beginning, right? But we have to try. And I'm, I'm trying to be a steward of that message 
Um, and, and, and I've seen the results and I believe in them, right? Not just through hockey teams. So yeah, if you want that, uh, obviously socially, you can check me out leemjelias.com or leemjelias um, across socialmedia.com. Uh, anybody listening, if you want to talk, please feel free to email me. I'm always, my, my door's always open to talk to anybody. Unreal. Well, I'd be hard pressed to find anybody who's not going to reach out to you. You're probably going to have a lot of people reaching out to you after this one. This was great, Lee. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Um, I had uh, so much fun. (laughs) Sometimes we talk Vex and I about, uh, you know, how good the podcast was based on how many notes I take. And I have like 19 pages. I took a a lot of notes too. That's a good Awesome stuff. But yeah, thanks so much. Let's definitely keep in touch on this stuff. And we really appreciate you taking some time to, to talk with us and our listeners today. Yeah, thank you, boys. It's been an honor to be here. Appreciate it. Everybody out there listening, have a great day. There we go.